Business Matters in association with ATU Donegal's Faculty of Business. If you're an owner or manager in the food production business, consider the new one-year Level 8 Higher Diploma in Food Business and Product Innovation. It's just one three-hour lecture weekly. Call 918-6600 or email gary.mcgill at atu.ie. I'm Kieran O'Donnell. You're welcome to Business Matters. My guest this week is the co-owner of Donegal Bees and Glen Column Kill, Thomas Ellis. A former carpenter, Thomas set up the company in 2013 and Anya Curran became a co-owner three years ago. Donegal Bees has the only wax processing facility in Ireland and a product range of almost 900 items. I began by asking Thomas about how he started the award-winning business which celebrates his 10th anniversary on the 26th of January. I was keeping bees just over 10 years ago and we were keeping bees for a few years at that stage and we started noticing how expensive it was in the equipment. Like at the time to get into beekeeping it would cost over 500 euro just to start off with a basic hive or anything and that was without the bees. So the more I looked at it I thought we can actually make some of this here ourselves and take down some of the cost for Irish beekeepers and that's what we started doing we started manufacturing some of our own my background is carpentry and all so it was quite easy in the workshop to start actually making the hives the only thing we found was the internal parts that we had to buy in but it was an easy way of getting into it and uh, the big thing for us right the way through and still is is making it more affordable for people to get into beekeeping because it can be quite an expensive hobby Tell me Thomas uh, how did you transition from being a carpenter to do what you're doing now? I really don't know. That's a tricky one overall. I figured out that uh, when I was getting into making the hives and all, the, the more I knew about them and the more I learnt about them, the easier it was to sell and the more you could actually give to somebody starting off. So if I don't know about the product, it's, it's very hard for me to sell it and to be able to give it to a beekeeper when I don't know everything about it. So most of mine is uh, research and talking to beekeepers, finding out how some of the stuff actually worked in those early days so we could actually make it to the best quality on the market that in turn we could pass it on to the beekeeper. There is a lot that goes on here uh, at your premises in Glencom Kill and it's one of three that you have uh, about the area. Can you talk to me about what happens here first? Uh, the big thing here is uh, we get out day-to-day orders and the phone orders comes in and website order comes in here and uh, then we package them here and we do a lot of recycle packaging here and we get them back out the door to customers. We also produce our own wax here so we take in the raw material from beekeepers. We take in old comb from them that they've melted down and we uh, clean and sterilize that and we produce it then back into foundation sheets, pure beeswax sheets for the hive. If they aren't actually pure beeswax, the bees wouldn't uh, let it in the hive. They'd actually eat it out. So keeping that good quality wax, uh, we have to get it back from keep beekeepers out there to ensure that in turn we can clean it and then go back out to them again. Thomas, you started off with something like 69 products. Yeah. And you're up now to 900. Yeah, just shy of 900, yeah. 
that's a lot. That's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, in ten years. But we found early on that when we were doing events and shows, I travelled throughout the country doing events and shows all over. And if we got asked more than ten times in a year for a product, we generally stocked it the following year, because quite often, like myself, I'd go into a shop and if I didn't see what I was looking for, I'd carry on to the next shop. So I figured out like it was a good rule of thumb. If I got ten people asking in the year, we'd stock a small quantity the following year, see how it went, and from there we knew whether we'd stock it long term or what the market was for it. You are the only bee company in Ireland that is processing wax at the moment, is that right? Yeah, we have the only processing facility in the country. Can you talk to me about that in a wee bit more detail, Thomas, in terms of what goes on with all that? Yeah, it's, uh, it can be quite a lengthy process overall. Like um, Generally, every year, beekeepers uh, have old comb. So when they uncap their honey, they take the outside layer of wax off and they spin out their honey. And then the wax, the old dirty comb's left over. They generally melt that down like you'd melt chocolate, it's uh, Bamarie style it's got to be a saucepan within a saucepan otherwise you'd burn and taint the wax, so they melt that down and they clean it as best they can they ship it on to us or we collect it from them and we take it back here and we then clean and sterilise it again to such an extent that we can run it through our machine when we run it through the machine we're looking for nice clean filtered wax and when we get it out the other end we've got perfect flat sheets uh, with the hexagon design within it and are they sold in various batches or is there a minimum requirement to purchase no uh, the right down to 10 sheets most of us sold in 10 sheets right the way up because a lot of our beekeepers here keeping in mind they're most of them are hobby beekeepers there's not that many commercial beekeepers in the country overall so we're really catering for a hobby market overall and it's a very important market because without those beekeepers we wouldn't have the pollination in this country that we actually need. So it's in relation to food supply and the role that bees and beekeepers play and all that? Yeah, it's very important overall. Like we're all learning, if the bees die out in the morning, we're gone within five years after them because over 80% of pollination is done by bees. And a lot of people don't realise on the other hand, the other 20% is done at night by moths. So... Thomas, the aim of your company is to make beekeeping affordable for everyone, and that's in order to sustain the culture in Ireland. Correct, yeah, and, and thankfully that's what we have done over the last 10 years. Like now to get a starter pack, you're looking at about €280 Euro for a starter pack to start off with, and going back 10 years ago, that was over 500 And what would be included in that starter pack, Thomas? Everything from the hive, the frames internally, the wax, queen excluders, uh, a suit, gloves, smoker, high tool, bee brush, everything you need starting off the first year bar the bees. And can you go through the process of somebody who gets a starter pack and once they assemble it, what is ahead of them from that point on? The big thing is generally to get out the hive. If they haven't bees in there, depending on luring a swarm in, is to get it out nice and early. Uh, a lot of beekeepers would paint up the hive and leave it sitting in the uh, garage for a few months, getting ready for the season ahead. The best thing, as soon as it's painted, 
get it out there. You want it out there to get any smell or any odour from the paint off the hive. The bees do not like any smells like that at all. So when you're painting, you only ever paint the in or the external of the hive. Anything internally shouldn't be touched at all. And you mentioned the season. Uh, mm. Can you talk to me about the season end and start? The general season kicks off here uh, mid-February and it runs into September. So the queen starts laying uh, from the end of February going into March on and the season continues through and then as everything dies off in August September the queen stops and the bees start looking at the winter like we class when we take honey off hives as uh, we rob the hives because uh, that's the term that's used within beekeeping what we're doing is actually taking the excess stores from the bees that they generally depend on for the winter months but uh, they overcreate what they need in honey and we're taking that off the hive Thomas, you held an open day in May of last year to celebrate World Bee Day. Mm. How did all that go for you? Very good overall. It was a great response. We had quite a few beekeepers here from all over the country and some other suppliers to see how things were made and give them a, a much better understanding as what we do here as a company overall. They they couldn't believe the scale that we were actually working at and what we had created here in Donegal. Like in some regards, we couldn't be further away from our customers if we tried. Uh, the biggest bulk of beekeepers you can draw a line across from Galway into Dublin and anything below that they have much better weather for uh, keeping hives and producing honey but uh, with us in Donegal we can supply them anywhere in the country and further afield Are there different types of bees and different types of honey? There is lots of different types of bees and honey uh, and it really depends on where you are the biggest thing here overall is uh, bee Apis mellifera mellifera and we call it the, the black bee they're a smaller bee but they're a harder working bee and they don't need as much stores over the winter to keep them living you'd have different types like buckfist and carnica which would gather larger amounts but like that they eat more over the winter and in different areas they're trying to uh, keep bees within that area of the different types of breeds so that they don't get crossbred or anything that there's a clean pure strain of the types of bees there within the honey you name it uh, there's heather honey fuchsia there's just summer honey there's so many different variations in the honey and the, the flavor and taste uh, goes along with it every time Thomas, uh, you gave me a run through uh, the process of the wax making earlier uh, this morning. You've used the wax uh, in so many ways and it processes so many things here. Yeah, it, it processes everything, like right the way down to we make our own tea light candles, we make our own roll candles, we do moldy candles. We have the largest range of moulds in the country for anybody looking to make their own candles. We also do all the different wax, everything from melting points, pots right the way through for anybody producing their own. And you mentioned to me off air before we started recording uh, the number of shows that you travel to uh, every year. Is that to keep up uh, and keep abreast with what the demand is out there? Yeah, and it's like uh, when we're in Donegal and Glen Conkill especially, we, we appreciate we have to travel anywhere, you know, or everywhere as such. So when we're on the road, we get a chance to meet our customers. It's not every day we're getting to meet these people and it's lovely to catch up with them and uh, 
you know, to to put a face to the name, as they say, because a lot of the time we're dealing with them over the phone, but it's nice to meet them in person and just catch up and see what they need or what they're looking for within a supplier and what they would like to see in, in the future within products and what we're doing. Are there different ways of doing things or are things changing every so often? Hmm. There, there's lots of different ways of doing things, like especially within beekeeping. It can be so personalised to what you're doing, like what will work for you won't necessarily work for me like when we all start off we all learn the same systems but we can adapt and manipulate that to suit ourselves and to do uh, cover our area and what's actually happening within our area I know, Thomas, as well, uh, you link up with a lot of local companies uh, in the area and around the northwest here for a lot of your business. Yeah, we, we link up quite a lot. Like, a big thing for us is, like, the environment. One of the main things myself and Anya were conscious of within the company is everything that's happening within our environment. So we do a drive, like, once a week, and we start in Donegal Town, and we gather packaging right the way in every town, the whole way to Glen Conkill. And we may fill up to two, two-and-a-half van loads of old cardboard that other companies would normally be uh, sent into landfill or recycling elsewhere and we shred that and we use that as the packaging around our hives or we reuse any boxes that makes the grade that's good enough so that uh, we're ensuring that it's not ending up in landfill or anywhere else. Any idea, Thomas, uh, of the weight or the amount of uh, material that you recycle on an annual basis? Well, the van is, what, 12 foot deep and 6 foot wide and 6, 7 foot high, so we're two and a half of those a week easily is recycled cardboard here that we use and we use a thousand litre IBCs and we fill those and we continuously fill them like we can easily go through three or four of those a day during the summer here when we're packing so we're looking at 20 of those, 20 IBCs a week is recycled cardboard here that we use and for your, your efforts in relation to sustainability, you were presented with the Green Award at the 2022 Donegal Enterprise Awards, hosted uh, by Donegal Local Enterprise Office at the end of last year. I'm sure that was a great uh, oh, sense of achievement for you. Fantastic reward to get. Like, it's something we hadn't considered and we were in for, and we were shocked to get it overall. But it's great to see the reward and what we're doing, that we are getting it right, and we are looking and so conscious of the environment overall, not just focusing on the bees, but everything we're doing around that like from everything from where we source our timber right the way through do you feel more companies could do more in relation to sustainability we all can do more including ourselves we do quite a lot but we can always do more for sustainability given the recent tour thomas i don't think there's anything else you could <laughs> you, you could recycle again yeah possibly not in here but when we look outside there's so many more stuff we could dig in to recycle given the space and time tell me thomas how did the lockdowns uh, affect things here uh the lockdown for ourselves were blessed overall now it didn't affect us we sat down we considered it early on and luckily we ticked so many boxes because we do a lot of feed for bees and honey and we do a lot of products like that but f uh, within lockdown most beekeepers were at home uh, for the year or two there and they got a chance to properly work their hives the Beekeeper generally struggle time-wise during the summer because they're working a full-time job and trying to manage hives. Because most beekeepers were home, they got a chance to properly work their hives and maintain it. So within our industry, uh, it uh, uh, 
lockdown was okay for us, you know, we, we stayed going quite well through it, you know. So it took a jump, and are you managing to sustain those figures in the last year since? We have, we have, really have, yeah. We do a lot, and like nearly any beekeeper in the country knows who we are. They know that we stand over everything we do, that no matter what they get, it's, uh, it's top quality, and and if they do have a problem, we're the first people to stand and sort it out. Is repeat business a big part of things here? Massive, massive. We don't do much marketing or campaigning online on the scale of things, but all ours is coming from word of mouth. We produce a catalogue every year that goes out to beekeepers, but as we all find in business, everybody talks, and we're very blessed that if anybody's looking for anything and you see any of the social platforms online, we generally pop up there somewhere, and it's a market we don't push ourselves. It's our, our beekeepers that's actually doing that for us, our, our repeat business. Can you talk to me a bit about the culture of beekeeping in Ireland? Yeah, there's a strong tradition, strong culture of it overall. Like, it's hard to believe, but we were one of the biggest exporters of honey going back a hundred years ago. We exported honey all over the world. We were producing it in Colton honey and using traditional methods. Uh, the CDB hive, which is the original hive, was created in 1896, a congested district board. They were in charge of, uh, helping tenant farmers and all. Uh, subsidise their income and they designed a hive that would actually suit the climate here and uh, we're, today we're the one of the only companies in the country that actually still make that hive and through that uh, it's well suited for the northwest of Ireland because it overlaps compared to some of the other hives on the market now So what can beekeepers make uh, in terms of equipment or products, products like you think about every skincare product, uh, anything out there, all the basis for all of those is beeswax. Anything we do with our skin at all, the first thing we do is put on beeswax. Like propolis within the hive that beekeepers can harvest is good for cuts or any open wounds of to rub it in round there. The honey, the benefits within the honey for asthmatics. Uh, the benefit within the candles candles actually create negative ions which releases dust particles out of the air so if you're in any environment before you actually uh, start dusting down if you light a candle it takes it down out of the air and drops it to the ground before you clean so for beekeepers producing uh, anything within the hive is good for us so you're starting off with uh, wax, honey, propolis these are all products from the hive that is very thought after. Thomas, you set up in 2013 and two years later, uh, Anya Curran became your co-owner. How did all that come about? Well, uh, Anya, well, Anya started working for me t- uh, two years after I started off. Anya joined me as co-owner there three years ago. Anya was working uh, the office for me at the time and as we've grown, everything under us has grown as well. So Anya was managing the office team and uh, everything that was happening there and the more I looked at it, I thought she's doing it anyway. She was a director while she wasn't. She was doing the job of it. So uh, I offered it to her at the time and we sat down we worked it out and she accepted. So now we co-own it and co-run it together. How easier has that made uh, the task for yourself? Oh, much easier for, for everybody. And it's great. Like it, We have two different ways of looking at everything, which is fantastic. 
And there, we'll take a break. Are you an owner or manager within a food production business? ATU's Faculty of Business will support you with its one-year Level 8 Higher Diploma in Food Business and Product Innovation. Future-proof your operations by completing one three-hour online lecture weekly, all while working your normal schedule. Contact the Work-Based Learning Program Development Manager on 9186600 or email gary.mcgill at atu.ie. You're welcome back. Before the break, Thomas was talking about the benefits of having Anya Kern as a co-owner of Donegal Bees. The worst thing I, we could ever have had is both having the same way of looking at it all the time because we'd never grown or developed from that. The fact that we have such a different views on how things are done, we normally find the happy medium there that what works and we drive forward with it. How difficult is it to manage three different uh, sites? It can be difficult at times. We run around quite a lot. One of them is just storage overall, so it's just managing stock there. So with a good up-to-date stock level system on our website, it's easier. The other end is manufacturing. Manufacturing uh, is done separately, and it, it will continue to be done like that. The biggest fear in manufacturing wooden products is any particles of dust could easily transfer over into our wax system, and we don't want that. So we will always keep manufacturing of timber separate to manufacturing of wax. In relation to the size of the team, how many are employed here at the minute, Thomas? There's 12 of us here at the minute that runs 12 months a year, such an up-seasonal. We can go up to 26 last year between all. So from February until until September, there was 26 of us here overall. Thomas, you have a number of, of strands to your business. You have the retail and you have the online. Yeah... They work quite well. When we started off originally, you know, there was less than 30% online and the majority was done retail over the phone. But it's actually changed in the last few years. It's probably about 50-50 now when it's all said and done, like 50% is over the phone and the other 50 is online. But part of that is ourselves developing and growing. We've actually started this year doing live demonstrations of all our products. So any beekeeper can log in, uh, look at any product that we're doing and see how it actually works. They'll get an idea from our video room of us working the product and showing every aspect of it. So they get a much better feel for the product as opposed to looking just at a picture with a description at the bottom. I know you have plans uh, to develop uh, something major in Carrick. Could you talk to me a wee bit about that? Yeah, we're we're in the early stages and we're chatting about developing 16 acres of land uh, just outside of Carrick there. And the idea is to build the first uh, interactive educational centre for beekeepers in the country, the first beekeeping museum in the country, eight acres of wildflower beds and gardens and it's all about the teaching the importance of beekeeping and flowers and the connection between both and taking it back to basics and showing people where we came from from growing veg and flowers and the importance of the bees to all of that and the importance to ourselves at the end of the day because without them we don't exist and at what stage are the plans currently we're just chatting to the planning office at the moment. We haven't submitted anything and we're just seeing what works overall. Like It's very much for ourselves and for the planning that it ties in with the area, uh, both visually and it works for the area overall. Like uh, From our projections, we believe we can easily create 40 full-time jobs there and 25 part-time jobs. 
So as a major development? It is a major development. With huge saying. benefits for the local economy? Yes, yes. Like even as it stands here, uh, some of our staff wouldn't be full time. So depending on time of year, uh, a lot of mother and fathers that work here for us, we get to drop their kids to school in the morning and pick them up in the evening. So we work with what, what we've got locally here. That's what makes it work for us as well. Uh, and there are certain parts of what goes, goes on here uh, are very specialised. Very specialised, yeah, like between the wax processing and wiring and all and some of the other products we do, they're not done anywhere else in this country. Can you explain to our listeners uh, the process of wiring the wax? Yeah, it's done in 12-volt transformers on tables. Uh, by hand? By hand, yeah, by hand, yeah. There's uh, some ladies there that could wire up to 1,600 sheets in, in an hour, yeah. It's it's pretty fast going. They can they can fairly move, you know, when they're wiring them. Thomas, had Brexit any impact on, on your operation here? Brexit had a massive impact at the time. We didn't know where it was going to go. We actually lost so much of the business that we were doing in England. But part of that was the foundation machine that we actually have. The only foundation machine up until that, three three machines are in England, and there was no machine in Ireland. So my biggest fear at the time was if Brexit does go ahead, where are we going to get our wax? Because they have a different style of producing it throughout Europe as we do in England and Ireland. So when we bought that machine, we were guaranteeing Irish wax for Irish beekeepers. And within that, whilst we did lose quite a lot of uh, UK business overall, what we gained in Irish business, we outweighed what we were losing overall. Thomas, as you get ready to celebrate uh, your 10th anniversary, are you surprised at how big the whole operation has become? Yes and no. <laughs> uh, I probably had a vision 10 years ago and I'm not quite there yet. Maybe after Carrick. We'll what was the vision? I wanted a centre where anybody can pop in and out of, that they're getting good quality products at the right price. I remember buying my first hive and the bits and I had made so much of it. And I remember staring at one little box under the stairs going, how can there be so much value in one box? And my vision was to make it big enough and and, uh, run easy enough that it was affordable for anybody and anybody to get into. And when did you move to where we are at the minute? Uh, we moved down here to the village uh, four years ago now, possibly even five years ago, and with that, like it helped. We were, we were looking for the building for quite a while, and it really helped the business on because our biggest thing is storage. We produce so much stuff ourselves here. What was here before you came? Uh, the building was sitting empty for a few years before we came, but over the years there was different community groups in it. This is actually originally one of Father McDyer's buildings, so it would have been the tweet at the time that was here. Father Madeira had a huge impact on the area. Uh, would you see yourself as a, a modern day Father Madeira? Oh no, not at all. No, no I'm very much, we, we do things here a, a lot different maybe in so many ways, you know, compared to the way things were done back then. But there's still the buy-in from the community and you're still working locally? We're still working locally yeah, and we buy in, yeah, and we ship a lot out to the community as well. Our biggest business is, as I was saying, like from Dublin to Cork and all over overall in the scale of things and further afield. 
Is there ever a problem with the supply of bees or is the future of bees in danger? The future of bees is always in danger and that really is down to ourselves. The more we spray pesticides and things like that, the more problems that's created. Like for a lot of farmers now, they're dependent on bees for pollination of their crops. But the most important thing for any of them is that they're actually working with their beekeepers. So when they are spraying crops, they're notifying a beekeeper a day or two in advance so they can close off the hive so that there's no damage from the chemicals to the bees. You know, so there at a lot of emphasis on things like that. Is there anything that dictates the, the production of honey at any stage? Yes, everything dictates the production of honey. Like if it's too dry, it doesn't work too wet, the bees aren't getting out. You know, depending on what kind of area you're in. Like some of the nicest honey's actually been created in cities at the moment on rooftops because they have such a range of flowers within the cities. It creates some of the most wonderful honey. Depending on Around here, there's quite a lot uh, of sheep farmers, so there's not that much wildflower in the scale of things. So we depend a lot on the edges of the roads, like fuchsia or, or anything that's growing along hedge lines. So depending on the area and uh, what's within that area, dictates what kind of honey you're going to get throughout the year. Thomas, what would your advice be to someone who is thinking of taking up beekeeping? Uh, link up with an association close to you. Generally, there's uh, something within a 20, 30 mile radius. The biggest thing there is go try it out before you invest. Uh, pretty often, the association near you's got suits or they've got a beekeeper that you didn't know was less than a mile down the road that you can try it out. Get a feel for it before you'd actually invest in, in, in beekeeping. What's the best lesson you've learned over the last decade in business? Sometimes the best answer you can hear is that doesn't work, that's not right. I remember when we started out early on, I had one or two beekeepers that was telling me that's a fantastic product and when it go to market, it just wasn't getting there. You know, when I was, wasn't seeing the return in the sales, but uh, we came across one or two beekeepers that told me that the product was rubbish and that's sometimes the best advice you can get. When somebody tells you that it doesn't work, you can fix it. When everybody's telling you it's fantastic and you don't know any better, you don't see the return on it. Is there a person in business, Thomas, that you admire most? Uh, Probably one of the most people here that I uh, admire the most would have been Liam Cunningham here in Edges Gale. What he done for the community locally here and what he set up over there is fantastic. You know, it's, it's and he actually helped me with the name originally. It's Liam that actually gave me the name for the company originally. You know, has been very effective. Yes, it has indeed. I can't even remember what I was going to call it at the time, and I didn't know Liam that well to be honest. And he uh, he told me, uh, I think it was. Uh, Glenella's bees or something like that at the time I was thinking on and he said oh that's rubbish he says why don't you call it Donegal bees and he was 100% correct he says to me at the time he says no matter where you are in the country people are remember you from Donegal and when the Google bees in Donegal there you are and I remember walking away at the time going that's a funny thing for somebody to tell me you know and I was 20 minutes down the road going that's a fantastic idea when you were growing up here in Glencomkill, Thomas, was business something that you always aspired to get into? No, I, I never even considered it. And 
I was working here locally for quite a few years from Ergil Fish to McMonagall's Quarries and he even spent a little bit of time in a meat factory in Kilcar at one stage but uh, no, when I went, I remember going to Dublin and all and working for companies there and even coming home from Dublin I didn't even think on setting up my own business but I remember coming back into the area and uh, the Celtic Tire was gone and the recession had really kicked in and I, I thought here there's quite a few carbon here locally and if they're struggling to get work I'm going to have to think outside of the box to keep myself going you know and that's where it came about and just in relation to your initial investment Thomas we talked off here about it you might share that story again with us yeah that's one of the good ones there we actually started off with 2000 euro put a thousand on a website and a thousand on stock and we're ordering some of the internal parts off a UK company at the time and I remember I was ordering every week off them and they ended up the guy said to me here just give me a decent order and I'll give you some credit you know because <laughs> I was thinking he was getting tired of the smaller orders coming but that's where it started off it was a thousand on the website and a lot of the products we were making out of the 69 we were making ourselves here and we're depending a lot on the likes of Guinness's hardware and Kelly Beggs which we do yet. We buy a lot of our timber through McGuinness's Hardware and Killy Beggs. Was there ever a moment where, where you realised that you know I've made the right decision, this is going to work and this is going to succeed? I think I've always had that opinion because if I didn't, I don't think I would have ever started it. I, I do believe anybody getting into business, if you don't fully believe yourself that you can do it, you're never going to do it. Like You'll always have people out there that'll say, oh, that's a bad idea. You're the only person that can ever be the judge of that. You know, it's great to take the advice on board, but until uh, you accept that you're going to do it yourself and you fully believe in what you're doing, it's not. How good is the agency advice here locally, from your own perspective? It's good overall. You have to tap into it. Like pretty often, we can get bogged down what we're doing here day to day. And our biggest thing is we get the orders out as fast as we can. You know, so the biggest thing we do now from September right the way through to February is start seeing what support is available around us here. Like we're linked into the ATB and Udris and all, and we're actually doing some computer courses now shortly through the ATB and all, which will help reskill some of ourselves here, including myself. And that's really important. It is important, yeah, that we move with it. And uh, instead of being stuck in the past, where personally I'm the guy that goes for the notepad every time as opposed to the computer. But I do appreciate that it's much faster and much more reliable to be online on those things. Mm. And I am quite slow in adapting that, but I am seeing the benefits of it overall. The more we can move into it, the smoother things get. What's your view of the economy locally here? The economy locally here is actually going well. The biggest thing most small businesses around here are struggling for is storage and space, and we're all fighting for the same space. You know, like... uh, and within growth in any area of we don't have the space to grow or to start off we're at a disadvantage from the off so like for anybody even starting or attempting they generally start off from the house themselves or the shed out the back but they do need space to grow and move and there's so many good companies here locally that's doing very well between all and uh, space is a premium around here at the moment 
Would summer see an increase in people calling in, stopping off? Yeah, yeah, guaranteed. Like, uh, with our front of shop out there, we'd only have one or two during the winter, and we'd have quite a few coming in to collect their equipment during the summer, visits leave, leave, go to the folk village here locally. There's a lot to see and do in the area when they do come in. And going back to your plans for Carrick, obviously that would be a huge boost for the area, Thomas. It would be a big boost for the area all round. Uh, it's something that once set up, uh, you know, it'll be a big, big benefit. You know, a lot of emphasis put on education, on teaching how to keep bees, grow veg, flowers, you name it, right the way through. And it has to be done correctly. Like For us, we want a building, you know, that is self-sufficient. We want to create at least 60-70% of our own energy. And how important is it for the next generation to realise the, the, the benefit of bees and beekeeping? It's massive because part of my generation had forgotten it, you know, and our forefathers were doing it before us on small scales here and there. And that's why we were one of the biggest exporters back in the day of honey, because they understood the importance of it and how it worked for their crops and all. Like, yeah, some now, where does milk come from, kids? It comes from a carton in the shop, you know. It's it's going back to our own roots. It's going back to where we came from and uh, teaching the next generation that as well. Do you find it hard to switch off? Yes. And what do you do to switch off? I used to do beekeeping. <laughs> no, uh, it can be quite hard to switch off, uh, myself. And, and you would often say that it can be quite quite difficult to switch off at times. I do a little bit of archery now uh, at the weekends and all to help switch off, but uh, it can be quite difficult. And we're sitting just at the back of the the pitch for the famous Neve Columba Club, uh, and your father's been very involved in GA Dennis. Um, a lot of our listeners will, will, will know Dennis. Yeah, yeah. There's not many that don't know Dad right the way through. Like uh, he would have managed some of the underage county teams, and he's still very heavily involved in the GA. And finally, Thomas, what lies ahead for yourself and your business? Hopefully over the next five years we see a, a new building in Cary that we can grow under and develop and the big thing for us is really develop an Irish wildflower and uh, growing our own flowers and seeds and putting it back out to anybody for their gardens and all so that will help the bees overall. Thomas Ellis, co-owner of Donegal Bees and Glen Colin Kill. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. Thank you very much, Kieran. Thank you. Well, that's our lot for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guest, Thomas Ellis. Thanks to Kenneth Wilson on sound. And thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, drop an email to businessmatters at highlandradio.com. Business Matters, in association with ATU Donegal's Faculty of Business. If you're an owner or manager in the food production business, consider the new one-year Level 8 Higher Diploma in Food Business and Product Innovation. It's just one three-hour lecture weekly. Call 918 or email gary.mcgill at atu.ie.